0: Hello, I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to this podcast homily for Ninth Sunday after Trinity, the eighth in a series of 26 homilies for Trinity season. Listeners may benefit from the companion AIC seasonal video series, Trinity Tide, the Teaching Season, which is presented in nine episodes. Each linked from the digital library page, with podcast versions linked from the podcast archive page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The series offers a brief history of the evolution of Whit Sunday, Pentecost, and Trinity season. Anglican traditions of Whit Sunday and Trinity, including the seasonal color and fasting traditions, and commentary on the Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Whit Sunday Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, all 24 Sundays after Trinity, and Sunday next before Advent from the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Night Sunday after Trinity are discussed in Episode 5. The Epistle reading for Night Sunday after Trinity. 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 to 13 is another of St. Paul's homilies on the imagery of crossing the Red Sea, interpreted as a form of and predecessor to the sacrament of baptism. He also sees it as a demonstration of the Christian teaching that Christ is our spiritual rock. He again repeats earlier advocacy of Christian virtues, here applying moderation to food and drink, suppression of sexual lust, and of lust for things temporal. In the final verse, verse 13, he reminds his readers that God will not permit the faithful to be tempted beyond what they are capable of resisting. Saying in verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The Gospel reading for Night Sunday After Trinity, Luke 15, verses 11 to 32, is the parable of the lost son, commonly called the parable of the prodigal son, which places the parable in the context of something lost and then found. It is part of a set of three such parables, the others being the lost coin and the lost sheep. The parable of the lost son should always be read in the context of the words of the Lord's Prayer, Forgive us our trespasses, and later of the fifth commandment, Honor thy father and thy mother. One should also keep in mind that the parable is a lesson on two levels, first on prayer and repentance, and second of the ancient weakness which existed among the Hebrews too. That is the lack of understanding of the difference between external righteousness or the appearance of righteousness and the inner spirituality and true righteousness that comes by the sovereign gift of grace from God. The parable tells of a wealthy father with two sons. The restless and anxious younger son not only wanted his share of his rightful inheritance, he wanted it now, right now. In modern parlance, the loving and generous father granted his younger son's wish and paid to him the one-third inheritance which was his under Jewish law, although the law did not say that he was entitled to it now. The impatient, impetuous young man sold his inheritance and departed travelling to, quote, a far country, unquote, where he enjoyed a decadent life satisfying all the urges which he could afford. The NKJV text calls it reckless living. The surrender to physical lust, as noted in the epistle reading from St. Paul, comes immediately to mind. Inevitably, he ran out of money, at which time he found out, as many like him still do today, that those he counted as his friends were nowhere in sight when the money ran out and famine struck. The younger son, now broke, deserted by his fair-weather friends, almost resorted to the most base thing a Jew could imagine, eating the swill meant for the unclean pigs. Those of you who have never spent time on a farm may not know that pig swill, as it is called, can include table scraps, general household food garbage, washing up liquid, all mixed into a bucket. The modern urban equivalent of this event is often called dumpster diving. Now, in this his most desperate hour, he thought of his father. St. Luke writes that he thought to himself, saying in verse 17, How many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger downtrodden, a failure even in his own eyes, he went home, seeking the one person whom he realized truly loved him, his father. Luke tells us that the father, upon seeing the lost son coming toward him, abandoned Jewish social conventions of dignified restraint and ran arms outstretched and kissed his son's neck. Here is a vivid example of the Christian practice of taking back and forgiving those who have stayed, but are now true, have strayed, but are now truly repentant, Luke reports the son speaking this confession in verse eighteen, "I have sinned against heaven, and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. With these words, the son acknowledges Mosaic law: he has sinned against heaven." and also violated his obligation under the fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This model, loving father, like our heavenly father, turned away the son's offer to become a servant without rights. Instead, he planned a great feast in which his most prized young calf, or a kid in the King James Version, was to be roasted, The father gave the returned son three gifts, each of them symbolic of one or more of the teachings of the Old Testament, which are often ignored in the modern church in the West. In this understanding, the first gift, the robe, symbolizes welcome. The lost son's righteousness had been renewed according to the teachings of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. The second gift, the ring which was most likely a family relic, symbolizes that all is forgiven, according to the testimony of the prophet Haggai from Haggai 2, verse 23. On that day declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you. The third gift, the sandals, symbolize welcome and also a sense of renewed righteousness in the mode of St. Paul's letters to the Ephesians on spiritual warfare from Ephesians 6 verses 13 to 15. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as... Shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. But the story is not over. We must still must hear of the reaction of the older brother, who remained behind and did not ask for his inheritance early. The older brother refused to join in the feast, and when the father sought him out, he continued to insist that the treatment of the returned son was unfair. By unfair, he meant unfair to himself. He clearly thought of himself as the one who did the right thing. That is, he stayed at home and met his responsibilities. His behavior illustrates his lack of understanding of the difference between external righteousness and true righteousness. The older son went on to complain that he had never offended against his father, and yet he had never received such great such great a feast in his own honor in the company of his friends. The Pharisees present at the telling of this parable had to have been outraged. They surely knew that in this parable Jesus was referring to them. In St. Luke's account, the loving, forgiving father reminded the older son that he too was always welcome and was always with his father, but that What he, the father, had done was right because it brought back into the family the younger brother whom he had thought was dead but was now found. This is certainly the inspiration for the hymn Amazing Grace, I once was lost but now am found. Our lesson from this reading is the assurance that God our Father is merciful and loves his children who even if they have sinned and committed wicked acts they may turn again to him for forgiveness after a genuine confession and the promise of a change in the pattern of life. As Anglicans say in the general confession in morning prayer, we pledge to thereafter lead, quote, a godly, righteous, and sober life. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this podcast homily for Night Sunday After Trinity are available at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, with seasonal videos and Christian education videos linked from the Digital Library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and podcast versions of all three series from the Podcast Archive page. Information about AIC bookstore publications mentioned below are available through the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page. We begin with reference to New Testament Gospels, an AIC Bible study video series presented in 45 episodes. The parables of the lost or prodigal son and the lost coin are discussed in and illustrated in episode 18. The Lives of the Saints, in AIC Christian education video series in multiple episodes in two series. From the first series, St. Paul is the focus of episode 5, St. Luke of episode 15. In the second series, Archbishop Cranmer is one of three English martyrs celebrated in episode 28. From the bookstore publications, beginning with layman's lexicon, entries of interest are baptism... Commandments, Confession, Forgiveness, Parables, Righteous-slash-Righteousness, Sacrament, Shepherd, Sin, Temptation, Virtue, and Wisdom. From the beliefs of the Anglican Church, the commandments or Decalogue in Anglican usage are discussed on pages 49 to 56. In the writing Prophets of the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah with illustrations is the subject of Part 2, Chapter 1, on pages 13 to 20, with the text box Isaiah in Christian Liturgy, on page 16. The prophet Haggai with illustrations is the subject of Part 3, Chapter 10, on pages 103 to 104. The first closing prayer for Night Sunday After Trinity comes from a 4th century prayer in the Syrian Antiochian tradition. It reflects the early church's understanding of the lessons of the parable of the lost son. The second is the Collect for Night Sunday After Trinity which Archbishop Cranmer adapted for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer from the 5th century Leonine Sacramentary, and which, if you listen carefully, incorporates ideas found in the parable of the lost or prodigal son. Illumine our hearts, O Sovereign Master, who lovest man with the pure light of thy wisdom, and open the eyes of our understanding to the proclamation of thy gospel, implant in us also the fear of thy blessed commandments, that by trampling down all carnal appetites we may lead a godly life, both thinking and doing always such things as are pleasant and pleasing in thy sight. For thou art the sanctification and illumination of both our souls and bodies, O Christ our God, and unto thee we ascribe glory, together with the Father, who hath no beginning, and thine all-holy and blessed and life-giving Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Grant to us, Lord, we beseech thee, the Spirit to think and to do always such things as are right that we who cannot do anything that is good without thee may by thee be able, be able to live according to thy will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.